Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. Our current series is entitled A Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines. We are being led by Milton Redeker, our men's ministry coordinator, Renee Rivera, and Eric Reed, the minister to married young adults and men at Houston's First Baptist Church. To find out more about our men's ministry, please visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org. We hope that this podcast is a blessing to you, and we'll see you soon. You may be I-10 and I had no problem. I had no problem. That's right. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? I'm I'm good. I uh, it's been a very uh, whirlwind week and uh, well, uh, no surgery right now. So thank y'all for prayers. So we're gonna go three more weeks and reevaluate it. Um, so I'm doing passive stretching which uh, I'm really not sure the difference in that and really creating a lot of pain in my shoulder. There's a fine line probably between the two of those, but I, I can put my arm on the wall and walk it up, you know, and then push baby steps into it, but no weight-bearing stuff, but, but trying to stretch that out. And apparently if it sharp pain that goes away quickly is good, sharp pain that doesn't go away is bad. My doctor's a really good educator, and that's what he taught me. So I'm like... I have a feeling that once you find out the pain doesn't go away, it's too late. I, I tried to explain that to him, that I think that's a bad system, but, but apparently he never has broken his collarbone. So, but the textbook, that's, that's how you do it. So, yeah. So, so far, so good. Um, Renee still, you know, is covering for me, um, picking up everything heavy, taking, opening the doors for me seating me at tables um it's real embarrassing chauffeuring you chauffeuring me yeah actually he did that for a while yeah hey let's uh, let's pray I'm, I'm really pumped up about this uh this lesson here this is a uh, this is really good stuff and uh i've got a better picture of me than that i got me upside down on a uh, yeah i got one of those i'll show you um that was back in the day back in the back in the day when I actually did rock climb. Yeah, um, Milton is visiting with his brother, so we want to lift him up and just for safe travel coming back. Um, that's really cool because he's real tight with his brother, and my brother and I have never been that tight. So I, I just, you know, that's something I've always wanted to, you know, to have that type of bond, and they've got that bond. It's really neat to hear him talk. So um, let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we come to you right now, God, and we just uh, confess to you right now our need for you. Uh, Lord, there's a, a thousand things in my heart that I know that I need your strength, I need your courage, I need uh, your love and mercy over me, and I think we all do, and, and Lord, more than all of that, God, we just need to be with you. You made us. Our lives aren't our own, they're yours. Um, 
Father, we, we drive through the freeway. We, we look at everything around us. We control our environment. We set the air conditioner on the thermostat. We, we adjust the audio. So it's everything we want. And yet, Lord, you're the maker of it all. It's your world. It's not ours. It's your lives. It's not ours. And so today we come to you and we just say, would you teach us? Would you lead us? Would you make us into men that trust you far more than we trust ourselves? That, that worship you far more than we worship this world? That live life as you meant it to be lived, uprightly with you, in a world that's bent away from you, uh, that's not just about our own life, but we're fighting for the lives of others. We're loving on others. We're spreading your truth, your gospel, your justice, your mercy uh, in all the relationships of our lives. We thank you for Milton, and I thank you for the influence he has in my life. I thank you for his wisdom. Uh, Lord, I thank you for his uh, time right now that he has with his brother. Would that be rich time? Would you multiply every hour? Would it seem like far more than just a week? Would it seem like months and months and months? Um, Lord, would you pack into that a lot of life, a lot of realness? Um, God, would he come back refreshed, uh, renewed, his health strong? and uh, ready to, to smack us over the head when he gets back in here. Uh, Lord, thanks for Renee. Thank you for his faithfulness. Uh, thank you for the men that are in here right now and their commitment to be here each week, uh, to be available to you, uh, to be honest, uh, to, to lay down. Uh, if prayer needs to be beefed up, that they would pray more. If, if fasting is something that they need to be connected with, that they would do that to know you more. Uh, Lord, we uh, love you, and we thank you for this day. It's a gift from you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, how's everybody? Has, uh, I know some of you all sent stuff in on the fasting front, and we're not going to really brag on that, but I just was curious, has that uh, different experiments, different challenges that we've offered? Some of it was scripture memory stuff. Some of it was just getting a regular time to read some scripture, even if it was five verses in a day. Um, how many of y'all would say you've at least tried a couple of things over the last, you know, nine or ten weeks spiritually that maybe you hadn't done in a while? How many of y'all would just raise your hand and say you have tried a couple of things? And it's, it's not a bad thing if your hand doesn't pop up. I'm so glad you did, Renee, because otherwise you would have been lying to me this whole time. But, uh, yeah, I, we, have, we have spent the last basically ten weeks. And, and, and what are some of the disciplines we've looked at so far? Yeah, we've looked at we've looked at prayer. What else have we looked at? Worship. Worship. Mm-hmm. What fasting? Indirectly, accountability. Probably really hard for you to see that, John. No, it's fine. Is it? I know black on white is optimal. That's not better. This is better. Yes. Well, cool. Go Vols. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, man. They're going to upset everybody this year. They're going all. Okay, they're not. But anyhow, uh, what else? We had uh, creation was our first week, right? Prayer, worship, we have scripture. 
system. That'd be the, the scripture. Yeah, we need an acronym. Let me, let, me, let me circle. I want to come back to one. The very first week we said it was creation. That really creation, if we don't get creation, if we don't practice the presence of God, that he's everywhere. There's nowhere we could be that he's not. There's no situation we'll be in that he's not aware of. That means good things. That means bad things. That means a broken collarbone. That means I just finished the Boston Marathon. I just got a promotion at work. I just got laid off. Any of it. He is, he is fully aware of it because he's everywhere. Psalm 139. That is the foundational discipline of everything that we're talking about. These other things that have come, we said that these things came and they converged into one area. It was spiritual warfare. Yeah. Then all of those, they bring with them God's blessing, his strength. It positions us as lovers of God because there is a war going on. And we looked at 1 Peter that, that Satan prowls about like a roaring lion seeking men to devour. And there's a real deal going on. And that there are casualties around us that in the last uh, 11 weeks that we've been doing this, there have been men that have struggled with uh, addictions in our church of pornography, addictions of gambling. Uh, they have had their marriages come apart. They have had uh, engagements break apart. They have had work issues where they, they ended up, I uh, got laid off. So I, I look at all of that and I'm like, there is a lot going on. And we could just pass it off as it's a down economy and that's just how America is. I think that's what the enemy wants us to do. I think the enemy wants us to say it's a natural phenomena, therefore we don't address it in supernatural ways. We leave it in the physical, and we deal with it in the physical. And that's what C.S. Lewis said in, mere, in uh, Screw Tape Letters, that either we make too much of the devil or not anything at all of him, either one accomplishes the same purpose for Satan. And that's, it gives him a foothold that he can operate in really nicely. And so what we have done is, building off of this idea of creation, these areas have become tools, weaponry, for a great battle that's going on. This battle is going to get played out in multiple of ways, and today we're going to be talking about one of those ways. What? Yeah, stewardship. Okay. Hey, stewardship. It is, it is not a word that we hear a lot in the world around us. It is a word we probably hear more often in the church, right? How many of y'all have heard stewardship in a church before? Yeah, we, we hear that. We, we did a capital campaign. If you've been here three years, we had a capital campaign. We heard that word. I, I taught on it for four weeks. What is what is stewardship? Being 
accountable for um, doing what you say? Accountable for doing what you say. What else is accountability? I mean, not accountability. Uh, stewardship. Responsible use of the resources God's given. Okay. I think that I think that that drills in even more. Responsible use of the resources God's given us. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, I think that I think that is a very good uh, a good definition there. And, and let's let's drill down on this. What are the resources that God has given us? It's time, money, money. It's one. It's okay, time. time, money. Brad, what's what's a resource God's given you? Time. Yeah. Okay. Time. Time, money, and time. Frank. Talents. Talents. Talents and gifts. Anything else on the on the side of what is stewardship? Be responsible how to use the money correctly. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think and this is a really a really good deal here. Responsible use of the resources that God has given us. Mm-hmm. Now let's let let's take the idea of given us for a moment. What does given us imply? It's provision, but if I, I'm going to give, yeah, I'm giving this to you, okay? Who yeah. owns that? What? Yeah, I think entrusted is a better word. If I say given, that means I don't have ownership of it anymore. And we're going we're gonna to drill in through several verses. We're going to look at this. And... Oh yeah, no, I'm good with that. I, I, yeah, we'll we'll mark that thing up. Responsible use of the resources that God has entrusted us: time, talents, clothing, money, food, shelter. There's always another thing. Health. If it's been given us, we have to also have to make the choice of receiving it too. Yeah. For sure. Some things you don't receive. I mean, you, you, you just have it, whether you want it or not. True. You know, there, there are things like life. Right. Um, I don't think any of us chose life, <laughs> although we may have chosen at a different time if we were really down. But, but in general, it, it's been said that all of life is relational mm-hmm. in general. That ultimate reality is relative. And that is that science is predicated on how things relate to each other physically, whether it's an atom or it's the planets and how they pull each other around with gravitational forces. On the subatomic level, it's how everything relates together and that we understand principles of relating, such as the force of gravity, that if I drop an object here and and you drop it from the Empire State Building, it's still going to fall at 9.8 meters per second square. That's going to happen because of the relative truth of how those items are interacting with the Earth and the pull of the Earth. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was metricized when yes. I was. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my kilograms and shove. You should have seen everybody. They they kind of like eyes oh. and meters. What? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm still stuck with 2.54 centimeters as an inch. I'm I'm still stuck in that world. Okay, y'all pray. Pray for us. Pray for us. Okay, so so there is a stewardship up here that we haven't listed yet, and I would say there are two core relationships that are true for all men everywhere all the time. One of them, we, we've tapped into a little bit here as we've talked about some of these things. Worship, prayer, the creation side of it, scripture even. And what relationship would that be tapping into? It's, it's the vertical relationship. It's us with God. There's not a lot of other intervening factors that are in there. It's, it's every man stewards a relationship with God. We didn't seek it out. We didn't make it. I didn't die on the cross for him. I didn't pull myself out of a grave so that he might know me. He'll actually lift me up from the grave so that I might walk with him. He came and died that I could have life with him. So... We, we, we steward a vertical relationship with our creator. But we also have the horizontal relationships that we steward. Now, sometimes those horizontal relationships get really close into our heart, and we call that a spouse. And sometimes it, it's a child, and it's a son or a daughter or a niece or a nephew. And other times it's just, a, man, this is a, a brother in Christ. This is a friend. It's a coworker. But those horizontal relationships are also being stewarded every day. We either neglect them or we invest in them. We either give them to God or we take them and we're like, I will use this relationship for my own pleasure and my own well-being and I will discard the person I'm using them. I'm consuming them. They're a product for my pleasure. And so that happens in America a lot. Alvin Toffler, who wrote the book Future Shock, coined the term Kleenex relationships. He said that in the future, and he said this back in like 79 or 80, he wrote this down. He says, in the future, the pace of life, people will treat each other as products and not as people to be consumed and then discarded. And so these relationships are central to this idea of stewardship and all the rest of this will flow out of it. So if these things are, are flowing, what do y'all think? Is, is stewardship something that comes easy and natural to us? How many of y'all get pumped up if a pastor were to stand at the pulpit and say, hey, we're going to preach on stewardship for the next six months? Good feelings, medium feelings, or you know what? Where is Lakewood anyway? You know, it's like, how would that, how would that feel? Seriously, if, if Greg were to come in this Sunday and you're here, let's just say you've only been here about a month, so you really don't know what he's been like for the last five, six years, you know, you, you're here. And he says, okay, I'm coming off my sabbatical. We're going to talk about stewardship for the next six months. Well, I'm 
We have a dishonest answer in the front. I'd look forward to it. <laughs> That's why I said that to see what you'd say. Yeah, I'd call you out on that one. That's nice. It's laboring, right? What? It's laboring. There's a guy that's going to come visit me uh, before the class. He never made it. He'll come back some other time. Laboring, as Brad was saying. Labor intensive, right? Well, well not laboring, labor intensive. Yeah. So it requires action, right? It requires I, yeah, I mean, what do y'all think? Is, is, I'll agree with it. it is stewardship, planning. does it require action? It requires planning. Does it require planning? Perhaps, yeah. Intentionality, you can't have stewardship without intentionality. You really can't. That, I think that, that is a very ch big challenge for all of us because of time and other things. Um, there's a book where I'm going through right now called Today Matters by uh, John Maxwell. It's a real thick book. He normally writes a nice bathroom-sized book, but this book is not that. It's a much bigger book, but the whole thing is on stewarding today it's a stomach virus <laughs> oh it's a longer thank you for clarifying that um, well no no with the whole h1n1 i was scared for a moment i was looking for hand gel um, that's right so so what are other barriers for us on the stewardship front priorities priorities explain a little bit Got a good sound to it. There is a. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask a question here. What percentage? What what percentage of the resources that God has given us is God worthy of? What percentage? No 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 no. No. You're supposed to. What what's a tithe? Ten percent. Okay. So, what percentage of what God's these resources is God worthy of? Does He deserve? No, He deserves ten percent of them, but but uh, He does have the ninety percent to use. Uh, but do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? I believe that He uh, deserves all hundred percent. I mean, is that, I mean, what do you want to tell God on that one? Yeah, it's like, God, I think you're worth 5%, 10%, 20%. 20%. Again, it's, it, the right answer is 100%, you know? 
However, <laughs> I think I think we're all in, in this area. The, the premise of I think the challenge and the premise of of this whole thing today is that a hundred percent of those things, all of those things, the time, the talents, our clothing, our health, money, food, shelter, relationships, all of those things, 100% of those things, they're God's. And let me segue for for a second and, and make a confession. My ripstick accident... And I sh- I've started sharing this because I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and praying about it. And I think it might have been with, I don't know if I shared it with you at lunch yesterday or not, but the accident on the ripstick, at least in part, I have received it now as discipline from God. Now let me explain why. Um, six years ago, I had a series of back incidents or injuries that kept me from running and kept me from lifting. And for some people, they would be like, yes, yes, I don't have to work out, I don't have to run, I don't have to do anything again. I can watch a lot of TV, I can chug on some Coke, oh, no, Diet Coke or Coke Zero, and you know, I can play some video games, I can do some you know, fragging and headshots, and I can have some good times, because I don't have, I got an excuse. The problem is, my whole life has been active. I've been in sports. I did that in college. I coached it afterwards. That has been a core part of my life and my identity. And six years ago, it got taken away. Three months ago, now it's been a little bit more than three months ago, I finally had it out with God, and the conversation went something like this. Well, God, I've been praying for over five years for you to heal my back so that I could play with my kids the way I used to play with them, that I could run and lift and have fun and play softball or bat, you know, do whatever I want to do and do all those things. And if you're not going to take care of my body, emphasize word my, if you're not going to take care of my body, then I'm not going to take care of my body either. So I embarked on a wonderful experiment. I didn't used to drink sodas. I started drinking sodas all the time. I started getting desserts after lunches and dinners. I've never been a dessert guy, but I started having desserts. My wife was like, why are you doing this? And I was like, well, because if my body's not important enough for God to take care of, it's certainly not important enough for me to take care of. And I've told him, if he won't take care of it, I won't take care of it. And we'll just see how it goes. Okay, so that... That was about three months ago with about another maybe two or three weeks thrown in. So October, September, the whatever, 24th or 25th, whenever it was, I'm on the ripstick, and I come off and I land. I've never really hit that hard and snap. It took me several weeks to think back over the conversations and what I was doing with God's body. Not my body. And I've realized that my theology has been that God owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But my body is my body. And I take care of it. And I exercise it. And yes, it may be his temple, but it's mine first. 
And although I knew the theology, my practice wasn't bent that way. And so I took offense that my back was hurting. My back was hurting. And so God, I think, has really taken me through a lot of this to show me that stewardship is, all of it is his. My rights to it, they're non-existent. They're non-existent. He graces me with life, and he graces me with friendships, with a job, with weather, with a city, with a wife, with kids. It's all grace. It's all of it. And that at any time, that could go away. And I have to learn how to walk with him in that. And that's real stewardship, and that's real character. And so I think part of my deal here truly was God saying, Eric, it could have been your left collarbone and not your right collarbone. It could have been your head. You could right now be in a coma. There's several things that could happen. It's my body. Would you please let go of your ownership of it for just a moment and get your attitude squared up and just walk with me now. Walk. Trust me. Trust me. So this journey for me on stewardship, really, this area has been honestly revealed that I had a highly flawed practice of stewardship. I had a good theology and a bad practice. And God is far more concerned with our practice than our theology. Not that theology doesn't matter. It does. But we'd be good Pharisees (laughs) if we had really good theology but really bad practice. And so there are some verses that I'd like to pass out, let us talk through some of these, give you some time to look over, make some observations about what it has to do with stewardship. What's that? I, I chose green because it's talking about grass. Yeah, money. Yeah, money. I tried to find the closest thing to money green. And I know it's, uh, yeah, hey, John, I've got a white one here. That would actually probably be easier for you. That's fine with me. You got it? You can yes, do it? Can you can read so that. I can read it closely. I have no problem with it. Yeah. Thank, thank you, man. What was the other angle on stewardship that you do need to take care of the, the body? Well, we got tons of verses, and I'm, yeah, absolutely. If you're 15 pounds lighter, it wouldn't snap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I gained 12 pounds. I gained 12 pounds off drinking basically three sodas a day for three months. I gained 12 pounds, and it wasn't muscle, I assure you. Is that the only lesson you learned from this? I'm just, I'm just asking because you're being transparent. Was that the only lesson you learned? Off of this? Yeah. Uh, I learned that I'm not 16. Um, I've learned that. I'm not, be- trying, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Yeah, no, no. I, I've learned to, uh, to maybe uh, yeah, stay off of ripsticks right now for a while. I've asked for one for Christmas, but, I, uh, but you know, it's just because I've I got to get back on it. Yeah, that's one of the cardinal rules of, of manhood is uh, if something breaks you, 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 have, you can't be broken in your spirit. You've got to get back up and get back on it. You can't open up a jar. That's when you break the jar. Absolutely. I, we read the same book growing up. Yeah. Is that why when it's not a good idea to begin with? 
Uh, yeah, actually, that's probably stupidity. My wife, my wife is not buying me a ripstick, although I have told her I think I need one that's a little longer, not as short as the one I was on, so that I would have a easier foot placement because that was the, the real issue kicking off. Um, take, take a few minutes. I want you to read through these verses. Uh, mark two or three of them that really stick out, but right, right out beside there or on the back, just, just put like the reference and what you learned about stewardship, what that verse might have to do or verses might have to do with stewardship. And these are by no means exhaustive. Uh, in fact, just off the top of my head, it, it left out the foremost, my four favorite verses on stewardship aren't included in this listing. But these are some definite interesting ones. Well, I think Eric gives me way too much credit sometimes. Um, on taking up a lot of the slack. We've had the incredible privilege this morning of sitting down together before 7 a.m. and talk about the curriculum for GM6. And we had a fun time going to the scriptures like you did right now. I don't know I don't know if you get excited about looking at scriptures and how they apply to a certain topic, but it's one of the things that I that I've really keyed in the last few months in trying to find topical how scripture can apply, how it's all over the Bible, is consistent across the board. Um, and, of course, we're looking at stewardship right now. As, we, as, as Eric and I and Milton plan for these lessons, I joked last week how Milton bring out this big old stack of scriptures. But it's essential, as we, and Milton loved the, loved the fact that I teased him on that. Um, but it's essential because we start getting that scripture, we're going, wow, that's rich. There's no book that could put all those thoughts together as the Bible did. It's, it's God's word. It's just amazing. And it's really neat to see that God gives us the guidelines, the, the field manual, the, the documents, the words entrusted with people, that he trusted with people of God to share those with us, and we have those available to us. So we hand out these verses, and I get excited when we do hand them out and we look at them. And we get to spend time and try to figure out, decipher them. The Holy Spirit registers with us through his, to the, to, to the Word of God. And as we in, in every aspect of it, we have just been incorporating Scripture in every lesson through GM6 all the way to this, this, these milestone classes. And we have a guideline, but the Scriptures just hearken to His, to his awesome what, guidance, lessons, living, guidelines, mileposts. Just amazing. Hey, guys, thoughts? As you look at the Scriptures in green... Matthew 19, 16, 24. I know what the theme is. Thoughts? There's no particular order by importance. What type of steward was this guy here yeah. in Matthew 19? It's so uh, on uh, Luke 20, I mean, on verse 21, where, where um, Jesus says, um, Go sell your possessions and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. So basically, um, when he became sad, that, that shows to me that he was, his possessions was more important than following the Lord. So it yeah, forced to restrict in that perspective. Yeah, that, yeah, there's a priority, I think. Frank had used the word priority. Now, what makes it hard? Our priorities make it hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've always... Uh, on verse 22, 
where it says, because he had great wealth. I've always rewritten that, because great wealth had he. <laughs> that, that his possessions owned him more than he owned his possessions, so to speak. Correct. That he wasn't, he wasn't free, he was actually a slave to his wealth. But Christ didn't tell everybody to sell everything and give it all away. But he saw that guy's heart, and he realized, if he really needs to get with me, this is the pathway he's going to have to go. Um, that doesn't mean we just accumulate and don't care, but, but it was an interesting that he didn't say that to lots of other people in Scripture. Not to discount it, but, but he didn't. Um, it, it seems to me that the world would say that good stewardship was to build that wealth, and Christ is can even think of in history that we would write their name down in that area, like a Mother Teresa. Yeah, like a Mother Teresa, we would write her name down. And there's several missionaries I would write their name down there. St. Francis. Yes. at the, uh, the, as far as the unreasonableness of it, is it because things don't operate that way today? Um, I think it's because it's human nature. It's part of human nature. It's greed. And I think some, even, you know, that movie with uh, Michael Douglas, Wall Street, he says, <laughs> he says greed is good. And there's like a million people jumping up and down their eyes and fucked up. You know, Sort of, uh, it's a natural impulse to want to acquire things, but on the other hand, you're trying to temper it with uh, some Christian imperative or something. Yeah, Prudence? I think that maybe Christ was asking him that to test his show the man his own heart. Not that he was literally asking him to do that. That, that could be a general, I mean, that's a, that's a specific case, but I mean, that could be a generality. Christ could ask that of anybody. And you know, in hindsight, now I know who Christ is, if he asked me that, scripture that you don't want to take a narrative, you know, a story of scripture and make that the everybody ought to do the exact same thing. Right. There's a, there's a tension in there. And that's why I, I wanted to point out that Christ didn't ask everybody to do that. 
He asked that man to do that. Right. Zacchaeus was never asked to do that, and yet he actually, of his own volition, went out and got crazy, giving stuff back to people more than what he took from them. The early church went psycho-crazy and actually was liquidating properties and taking the cash of that and distributing it to the needs of the early church. You got Abraham, his only child, the child of promise, and God said, hey, kill him. Then you got God judging Israel because King Ahaz takes his son and puts him through the fire and kills him. And you got God taking him out. Right. So we have to, narratives are very, understanding them in scripture, you have to, you have to walk that tightrope of saying there's a principle here. And then there's a heart of it here. And it's not always going to be normative for life. But the principle is normative for life. And that is, it gets back to who owns it and what, does that implica- what is the implication in our life if we don't own it, then what does that mean? And that, that for stewardship, I think we defined it, we're responsible use of the resources that God has entrusted us. And we frame that up as that's our job, it's our time, it's our relationships, both with God and with each other. It's our health. Um, it's our clothing. It's uh, shelter, money, automobiles. Because money's immoral. I mean, it's, it's, it's there, like a brick. Mm-hmm. It's there. Yeah. 
Sorry. What? I didn't mean to cut us off. Luke? No, no, no. No, I was, I was, uh, we got a different, totally opposite example. Luke chapter 2. What do we see about stewardship there? For sure, God wasn't looking at the the gross of the gift. You know, He wasn't looking at that at all. And there is something about giving all you can give. You know, I, I would say Dave Ramsey would say she's foolish. I would say she's foolish. The world would say she's foolish it, it, because what does it say at the very end? She put in all she. Had to live not in her pocket. Property. Yeah, all she yeah, had to, to live, live on. on. She had her property, but then all she had to live on. That's craziness, man. The, the, God has called the, the foolish things to confound the world's wisdom, you know, and, and, and this is an episode of that. That if I were looking to say, wow, I'm so thankful that. He gave, and he gave, and he gave, and she gave, and he, and this little lady goes and drops two pennies into something, and someone could say, well, two pennies, that doesn't even, that's not even a millionth of the budget. Who cares? Two pennies. Christ would take that person outside and smack them around the woodshed for a while and say, you know what? She gave more than all these guys. Break it down with a percentage. She gave 100%. Right. So, so if we if we're operating that God never gave us, but He entrusts to us, then this makes sense. If it's ours and we're in charge of it, and we're responsible for our own well-being, it makes no sense. It's absurd because then she just gave away her very life. She's got no hope now. I have a feeling God took care of her somehow, you know? Would I be willing to do that? I don't know. He hadn't asked me. can't answer that. I better be able to get close to that, you know? Plus, God can see, see her heart. And maybe the people who gave him the excess are just doing the necessary thing. Yeah. You think that's a possibility, right? I, I do. Do you think it's possible that someone could come to church? For appearance sake, as opposed to love of God. Correct. You think it's possible that someone could be a men's minister because of appearance sake and not because of love of God? Yeah. Yes, you better believe it. So, so what do these two verses say about God? What do these two verses say about our creator? Was a challenge. He values our, our faith, our trust. Does he want? He wants us to trust him 100%. There you go. That's it. He challenged the, the rich young ruler on his proclivities, on his appearances, 
on what he wanted to do. And then he showed the example of the widow. It's amazing. He wants 100% of us. I remember uh, counseling a guy a few years ago. He was going through a bad relationship, and he couldn't just was in love with this girl, and every instant they had, they could not quite get, could not quite, there was always some obstacle that was keeping them from coming together. It was like she got a job somewhere else, or or her mother got sick and he was like what does God want I found the woman of my dreams what does he want from me what's it going to take and basically I said he wants all of you man he wants you to trust him in every aspect of it he wants 100% of your life there's no way you're going to be able to give it to someone on earth if you can't give it to him an unseen God Six months later, married. But it came to a breaking of his heart and knowing that he was holding back things from God and looking at a woman to fulfill all his needs. That was the culmination. He didn't lust after her. He didn't covet her. But he was putting a lot of his soul into her more than his relationship with God. God wants all of us. Everyone, all, all of us, all piece of us. I don't know. Um, other verses in here that you guys that, that maybe stood out. Are we still in the Luke passage? Or you can go to any of them. In the First Chronicles twenty-nine passage, it struck me odd. I hadn't noticed before that in verse fifteen, we are aliens. Again, who were the people of no power? Who had no power in that culture? Aliens and strangers. Widows and orphans. Oh, I was thinking Spock. <laughs> and I was thinking, okay, all right. It's a position of humility. Yeah, it really is. That he here's the king of Israel saying, I got nothing. Everything I have has come from you. There's nothing I bring into this. I don't bring it. It's yours, God. And it's a really perfect heart of stewardship, is what you hear there. And we do know that David had his issues and David had his struggles. I'm not trying to put them way, way up, but I'm saying here, this prayer of David, we do get a real amazing glimpse that David viewed God as the source of it all. of truths in there due to time I, I think we need to roll in Renee I think you've you've got a, some suggestions as far as uh, you want me to flip this I got it. yeah as far as you know pursuing this idea of stewardship as a discipline 
a spiritual discipline. Um, I, I really, I was very blessed to have a dad that I felt like stewarded quite well um, a lot of areas, not all these areas. He didn't steward time as well, or uh, not not always stewarding, you know, some of the other other areas as well, but, but financially steward well. Uh, relationships, you know, he stewarded well, he treated people well, he, he did a lot of free services for boys' homes and girls' homes and underprivileged and stuff. I, I mean, I saw him do this on his own free time. I saw him do it. Um, and I, I feel like I was blessed by that, you know, just seeing that example. Because he never verbally told it all to me. I just saw him every Sunday. There was, there was a faithfulness of what he did with the offering plate. There was a faithfulness of what he did with his time um, in serving other people. It wasn't always around for us, so that was a different issue entirely. That I felt like that's why I wouldn't say he's the pinnacle of, of all of that. But um, so this idea of pursuing it. Let me bounce off you on that. My dad was not a good manager of money. Was not a good manager of time, and it was a struggle for me growing up. I actually had to find a wife, a Proverbs 31 wife, and I'm married way over my head in, in, in the sense of finances. The woman is disciplined in finances. God has given me an amazing woman to handle finances because I can't. I, I, am, I, I am the spender in the family. I am the, if you need to get it, you know, I'm not the planner when it comes to, to money. I'm not the guy that goes out there and measures how much we need. My wife's an engineer. She's amazing. But my dad, and it's not a knock on my father. My father, I can count on one hand how many times he did football with me. I told you this earlier in week one. I'm not chasing a ghost. I'm not chasing an alcoholic father like what my father-in-law is. But I, 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 I have to steward my time, my family. I have to cut it off. 6 p.m., I work out of the house. That's my office. That's my home. And my kids understand when I'm in the office, it's off. But I can take 15 minutes to go and throw the ball with them during the day because we homeschool our kids. It's one of the things we chose to do. But nothing against my dad. My dad wasn't very good at managing his relationship with my mom or me. I was the only child. I'm still not their favorite. <laughs> no, and, I, and I'm just being transparent I've never with you. Heard you say that before. I'm, I'm, I'm being transparent. Ow. So it's one of those things. And it's, it's difficult growing up in a family like that. So it's, it's, I did not marry my mom. And, I, and, I, and it's, it's, it's not an excuse. But my mom taught me a lesson. Uh, taught me something Saturday when they were in town. They came to see the boys. And my mom started crying at, at 59 Diner in Katy. And she said, we just thank God for your wife that, she, that God gave her to you. Now you're right. And my wife joked about, didn't you want someone else? Because it was a funny little joke. But, but it was, it's, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with a very difficult, very... Uh, um, affirmation needing family we had to constantly could never get seek the approval of my dad and it wasn't until marriage and having a child that I received the blessing from my father not the father it just happens not hurt over it, it did affect me but being a steward of family is critical for me in my, in my life I can't steward money very well so my wife does it I'm very good steward of my time but time and the essence of where it needs to be and the quality time with my kids. Any, any thoughts on that? Is any areas that punch out at you on time, spouse, off, well, offspring, good Lord. You know what I'm talking about, offspring, you know? Um, 
before we jump on to suggestions. But what are some suggestions for pursuing this? What are some areas we can do? And what can help us in that area to actually begin to move forward in that, if that's been an area? You've identified at least some of these as areas of, well, I've stewarded this well, but I never thought about that particular time. I never thought about, but I thought about money. Right. Or I never thought about how I treat people as a part of a stewardship toward God, that he created them and he has a plan for them and he loves them. How I treat them speaks volumes about stewardship about where my heart is and who I believe actually owns you know this the lives of people um, I'm just going to go over these really quickly um, and one I'm, of the things, I'm blocking the screen yeah, one of the actually. things I want to recommend this comes from the, from the lesson plan I don't mean to be PowerPoint you to death but don't get, don't get engrossed with your possessions do not get engrossed with your possessions do not be prideful in what you own Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians 7, 30, it says, Those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they did not, those who buy something as if it was not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for in this world is, is, in its present form is passing away. Hey, Michael Jackson, how much did he leave behind? Everything. All of it. Mm. Didn't take any of it with him. How much will Donald Trump leave behind? Everything. All of it. How much will we oh. leave behind? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about the bankruptcy. Is, is, isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah. He's out of it. He's out of it. He's restructured. He's going. I mean, he'll well, leave it all. Did Michael Jackson have a lot of debt? Yeah. But the point, I think the point's pretty good. All those gold records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much did Elvis leave behind? Yeah. Um, Proverbs 12:27. Take care of the possessions you have. Uh, I think it's one of the ones here. 12:27. I'll, I'll find it real quick. Um, first Proverbs in the Old Testament or in the New? Teasing, teasing, teasing. Twelve twenty-seven. A lazy man doesn't roast his game, but a diligent man is. But to a diligent man, his wealth is precious. But we're mandated to take care of our stuff. God has God has asked us. He's entrusted us with things. As 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 a father, and you do this, as dads, take care of the things. Take care of your toys. Put them up. Well, God is a giving father and entrustor. He's doing the same for us. I mean, I own a company car. Well, I don't own a company car. I'm given a company car every year. Every two years, I get a new company car. And from, one, from, from someone who had a 67 Mustang, my dad was the original owner, man. I, I, I love that car. I rubbed it with a diaper every morning before I went off to school. That car was my image. When my parents sold that car, after I sold it back to them, I was crushed. But it taught me something about managing things. My dad entrusted me with that car. To this day, because I don't own the fleet car that I have, I, I mean, I, I take care of it as my own. Uh, and my own, and my own, uh, my own uh, spending account as well. I take care of that as well. So I was constantly telling the kids, take care of things as if they're not yours. God's the same way. <clears throat> Provide for the future. Now, I, I subscribe to, to Dave Ramsey, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, um, I really believe in planning ahead. Proverbs 2120. Yeah, 21:20. It says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. How many of y'all do hurricane planning? I used to until we had one. Yeah. Because I forget it, dude. We're just leaving. Well, my wife, every time hurricane season starts, a month before, my wife is already, we, 
it's a mandate in our family we start buying 10% additional non-perishable goods which is something we do we plan and that's that that's that's in case of calamity but as far as saving money I, I'll tell you a personal story of mine when I was in college my mentor told me about his brother who was very successful paid cash for his car in my mind I equated that with success as getting there as being there if you can pay cash for your car and using Dave Ramsey mentality, I mean, saving for a car and walking into a car dealership and saying, I'll take that one. They go, how do you want to finance it? Oh, don't worry about it. And you whip out all these hundreds. Do they faint? Huh? They fainted. <laughs> I got the car for $4,000 cheaper than what it was going for. Wow. You know, it's amazing what cash will do for you, but plan ahead, saving. And also, the, the Bible says to, 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 manage your, to manage your income, manage your things. We always hear the, always hear the, um, the parable of the uh, the faithful servants, the, the three of them, how God provided the manager for the three, and how they manage the money. Um, if you look at the next one, it says, "Give tithe to your church." And I know we go, "Golly!" I'll never forget a few years ago, or a few maybe it was a year ago, Pastor Greg mentioned about tithing. We were going to the cup to the uh, capital campaign, and he talked about tithing. And he challenged the people that, basically from the pulpit, he said, I didn't call you out. If you're uncomfortable with this, that's the Holy Spirit. If you, if you gnash your teeth that every time someone talks about tithing, it's, it's the fact that it's not me. He said, it's something that we were commanded to do. I love what Randy Alcorn said in his book, um, The Treasure Principle. Tithing isn't the ceiling of giving, it's the floor. Or if Top Gun fans, it's the hard deck. It's not the finish line of giving, it's not the starting blocks. Tithes can be the training wheels to launch us into the mindset, skills, and habits of grace giving. It's a discipline. Knowing that right off the bat, 10%, the minimum is going to, to the gods, God's work. Just, 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 just that honoring the sacrifice in that case. I was gonna say, for, for me, what tithing is, is it's a good tool. It really is a tool to break my desire to is to stuff that God does something really good in my heart. Um, my dad gave every week, and I saw that, and I, I feel a little bit bad because I don't. I give twice a year, and I give six months forward, every six months forward, because that amount of writing a check for that amount hurts like crazy. How does it hurt? It hurts, man. I, I sit there every time and I'm like, I think of everything that that money could go and do, uh, vacations or whatever. I, I, I feel it. I wouldn't feel a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks here, a hundred or whatever. You know, I don't feel that like I feel the weight of all of that put into one lump sum. And so for me, I need to, it needs to hurt. And I mean that it, it helps me when it hurts because it reminds me of I'm like it's like fasting again it's that back to fasting that that pushing down my flesh to say okay no I don't I don't need this I'll pursue you God right now I don't need all this stuff that this could buy God I'm trusting you and I you know and I'm doing it on the front side as opposed to okay I know how it's all worked out now I'll give you something God it's God always asked for the first fruits. It was a huge thing of, of trust. 
you know, so the first crops come in, and Israel was, they brought it into God's house. Well, what if there was a blight? What if there was a famine that came up after that first crop came through, and a huge hailstorm came through and pummeled the rest of the crops? It was a huge statement of trust in God that they went on the first fruits, and they did it in faith. And if you find your heart, and I'm just telling you this, if you find your heart coveting, going to stuff, if you find yourself feeling like you're wrapped in this cocoon of consumerism and you want to get out, you don't know how to get out, dude, the spiritual discipline of tithing, of just giving and saying, God, I, I'm, gonna, I'm putting a flag down and this is my flag, that it's all yours anyway. And to show people that, and there's a Latin phrase for that, and the Latin phrase, Gibbetosis. and that's an 80s band, but no, um, it's right. pars pro toto, part for the whole. I give part of my income symbolically because all of it is God's. The Sabbath day, which is one of the things we didn't put up here, the Sabbath. It's the same exact word. I give this one day, I set this day aside for you, God, and I'm not going to harvest, I'm not going to plant, I'm not going to plow, because every day is yours, and I'm going to show you I trust you enough to rest in you. Tithe is the same idea. It's symbolic of the 100%. Our hope, our goal, my family, is we want to give way, way beyond that. I've got some friends that they double tithe. How did they get there? 1% at a time. 1% at a time. We're not there yet, but we're over the tithe. But we're not near double tithe. But it would be great because I know what happens when if, if we were to discipline ourselves to live on less and less and to be truly... Where do we find our joy? Is it buying new stuff or is it investing in our neighbors mm. and our kids, family, and praying and teaching and doing stuff that, in a sense, we feel like values more the things that we want to cherish in life? And that these, these disciplines here, stewardship really, in, in a very beautiful way, strikes at the heart of me as, as a man. Um, I think there's another one up here. Is that? Oh yeah, there's two. No, no. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump over it because I was going to hit the. Let's, yeah. Steward here. Yeah. There's six, right? Seven. Seven. Okay. Steward your own private life and steward your family. Yeah, going back to giving above and beyond. Um, it can be as simple as sponsoring someone on a mission trip be as simple as buying resources for the church. The, the capital campaign was an area where we were stretched. And ironically, my wife Sunday morning was looking, how, many, how much do we owe left in the final year of capital campaign? And then we had the privilege of being reinvigorated on Sunday morning that the, it was paid off. The, uh, the uh, worst center center was paid off. What an encouragement that was. But I go, God, the timing on that. Nor you took that how much we owed. It's amazing how God stretched us there. Yes. And, uh, and it did some stretching, my gosh. Not being 
I'm being prideful on that, but God's providing. And I don't live on a I don't live on a steady income. I have a lot of risk in my job. So my wife and I have learned to do more with less. And guys, I can't implore enough. God continues to multiply the income. You know. Yes. I just want to make a comment about tithing myself. Uh-huh. I do tithe, and my bank does it automatically because I would probably end up getting to do it. So. Right, right. <laughs> so um, I just want to look at let people, okay. let people know it's okay to have banks to, a bank do it for you because right. as long as your heart's in the right way. Absolutely. You know, stewarding your own private life. In, in, in my situation, I work out of the house. But stewarding, stewarding your time, your, your colleagues, where you spend your time, uh, your family, where you spend your time with your family. I mean, I, I've, I, again, I, I shared, a po- uh, shared with you several times, my dad didn't throw the football with me. I, I try not to miss opportunities with my kids. Eric, uh, on Friday, shuts it down. I mean, he'll answer the phone, that's about it. But he shuts it down, we have to. 6 p.m., I shut it down off the computer, shut it down. Coach my kids would never have an opportunity. Never, this make me a better dad. But those are those are times that I will never get again with my kids. I don't want my kids to say, "Well, my dad only do the football with me five times on one hand." You know, so I'm, I'm not chasing the ghost, but I'm, I'm stewarding my time in what I do in those areas. I want I want to leave you with something. Last night I was watching a, a documentary, Thirty for Thirty on ESPN. Have y'all seen those? I didn't watch that one last night. Come other ones. Last night was on Lynn Bias. That name sound familiar? Man, I think. I think yeah. Oh yeah, Celtics. So I think I think all of us for this generation Bias. here, I think we can we can set our clocks to when Lynn Bias died, like JFK for older generations. Well, Lynn Bias was uh, the first round draft pick of the Boston Celtics Maryland the year Maryland, Tur- Maryland, Maryland Turpin, the year after they won. The Boston Celtics won the, uh, won the world championship. And three years, um, Red Auerbach courted, connived to get a Maryland boy into the Boston Celtics. And they, the lottery, they, they got the first pick. It's just the way things worked. And, and less than 24 hours later, Lynn Bias was dead from a cocaine overdose. A brain injury. Yeah, died from died from cocaine poisoning. It's a phenomenal documentary, and I and I, my, my boys and I were watching it last time, saying, "Look, he had everything." In his interview, he was honoring God. And and this one mistake, I mean, exposed, but he had it all. The, the, the comments were he had it all. He had signed a Reebok contract the following day, handing out Reebok shoes to everyone in his neighborhood. There's something in his mom that said it's just not there yet. Just not there yet. And just like that, like the rich young ruler, it was gone. How much did Lynn Bias leave behind? All of it. For a mistake. And I just thought about that in the treasure principle and how we looking at stewardship, how we steward our time and our and our friends and who we invest in. It was a great lesson for my kids on friendships and where they can lead them wrong. But where our priorities are. We're a proclivity standpoint. Not to guilt anybody, but I, I remember Lynn Bias, and I was shocked. I was just shocked. He, he played against Michael Jordan. I didn't know that. He would have been the Michael Jordan 
It would have been, we wouldn't have known Michael Jordan. We no, 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 you know Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> the Lakers wouldn't have won another That's championship right. yes. in the 80s. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, any thoughts on Sturridge here before we leave? We're wrapping up. Kind of goes back to making every decision. If you, if you, if every decision you made with your life depended on it. I thought about that the other day as we're looking at stewardship. I, I would, I would say that you know, I think Greg would echo this. Is that life is very directional. Um, it's like golf. You know, you open your club face up about one degree on a three-inch putt and you're still going to make the putt. You take your driver out and you open it up one degree and you're probably about 10 yards off into the rough because the distance of that error, the same error over greater distance is a big mistake. So the direction of your life really truly matters. And if your life has been, I'm really stewarding my own stuff. Yeah, it's like I own it, it's mine. I don't think about tithing. I don't think about how I spend my time. I don't think about my hobbies. I don't think about my body. If you're sort of in that, that area, and most of America is in that area, and most of the church in America is in that area. So you're not, a, you're not in bad company, you're, you're in the majority. Just ask God this week, say, God, what percent are you worthy of? Then increase my faith that I might give. And just, just say, God, you know, I'd like to do 10, but right now, God, I'm going to do 5. I'm going to do 5%. God's not a legalist on this stuff. It is about our heart. It's about the direction of our life. It's the trajectory of your soul. And just step out and say, God, it's 2%. I'm just going to do 2%, God. Just start it. Give them, just, just give it. And just see what's going to shape your soul and work in your heart. And think about your time. Some of the most brilliant minds in our society that create some of the most amazing things on computers, engineering, all of these things. Some of these people are Christians, but they come into church and they shut it off and they get the mindset that all my skills, all my talents, they don't matter at all in the kingdom of God. And I'm like, they do. They do. I love John has been such a blessing and a help for our men's ministry, putting together PowerPoints. For our men's studies on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and it's a blessing it frees me up to focus on the lesson and not have to worry about putting stuff together and we were talking you know, when we, were, we were heading home the other day it's like I enjoy that Eric I'm glad I can help you and make the church stronger and better if you've never served in the church in a capacity if you've never said hey I want to help in an area whether it's an event or whether it's uh, on a mission trip or what, I want to encourage you. Man, just sit down and say, God, what gifts are, have you put inside of me? And why are they there? And, and, and God, how could I use this in this place called Kingdom of God, church? How could I use that? And just think about it, pray about it. I just want to challenge you in, in your time, in your talents, and in your money. To truly ask God this week, get on your knees and ask Him. I'm going to send out six verses I want you to read. We haven't gone over them today. That they hit at the heart of it. 
and I purposely left them out. We were going to go over it, yeah. and, and, and due to, we love to talk, and, and we apologize often, but we love to talk and share, and, and when we have a breakfast, it's a long breakfast, and <laughs> we, we, we get off on side tangents and all that, but it's all good. But just please hear my heart on that, that God has something for each of us. He wants us each to take a step in the right direction. And I just want to challenge you to pray about that and consider that. And I'd love to hear testimony of that. And again, you're not serving me. You're not, you're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for the other men around you. You do it unto God, but it will affect the people around you. It will affect your kids, your spouses, your friends, your coworkers, people that know you because it will change your soul and that will change you. Okay, John, you had something you wanted to share. I was going to say that I enjoyed learning how to use the sound system, too. And I'm not doing it to, to receive compliments. I appreciate the compliments, but I'm just doing it to return to God what he's given to me. So I'm just giving him the credit for that. Yeah. Well, we, again, yeah, I always tell you that, but I, I do appreciate it. I know you don't do it for the accolades or for the pay. Um, or <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I state the obvious here? Just state the obvious here. John is legally blind. Anybody catch the fact that he's doing the PowerPoints? And I'm not trying to make a joke here, but he has 10% of his vision, and he's using what little he has to provide vision for us. It's, it's a great example of what God can take, the two loaves. And John, I'm not calling you out as, as, as a disabled person, but it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's, it's, it's a lesson for me in how I use the gifts that I've been blessed with in comparison to those that, like John. And again, not calling you out, John. I'm just saying it's a good lesson. And I, and I laugh. I mean, jo John, John and I were joking about this on the way home the other night that, God, you know, you're doing the PowerPoints? Not the congressional thing, but my vision is that more than 10%. Yeah, yeah. One of the eye doctors is 2,400. Right. Absolutely. Not to play down it. Yeah. Accuracy is important with you. Got it. Um, yeah. So I would, I, I always ask myself, what would our church look like? What would the kingdom of God look like? What, what would happen in Houston if the men, and we all bring different skills and talents and abilities and all the, if we took all of that and we leveraged, we let God leverage it for his kingdom, what would happen? I always ask myself that. Mm. What would happen? What would happen? I don't know what would happen. We've never seen it happen before. The closest we saw was the early church. And according to the non-Christian historians of the day, they were turning the world upside down. <laughs> and people by the hundreds and thousands were coming to Christ. Perhaps all that's needed in this day, in this hour, is to see a group of men taking the time, the talent, the money that God has given to them and giving it back to God and risking it on this faith thing, something radical. Maybe we see something tremendous happen, changes history. That, my friends, would be pretty amazing.
to be a part of that. We can't change the world, but we can certainly ask God to work in our heart and to take a risk. I've never given anything. Hey, try 5%. Try it. Just, just risk. Take it, 5%. I've never volunteered for anything. I don't feel like I'm fit to do anything. Hey, I guarantee you there's something you can do. Guarantee you there's something yes. you can do. Let's talk. Let's find a spot you can serve. Hey, I've, I, I'm just really busy. You don't understand. I, just, I don't have any time. You know, I've got 50 hobbies over here, but i got no time. Yeah, let's talk. <laughs> Maybe there's a way that God can multiply your time into something that truly, truly impacts, you know. So let's, let's pray. I hope you're, I don't want you all to leave beat up. I, I, we, we, yeah. our, our heartbeat yeah. Yeah. is to challenge you as men yeah. because you are men, because we believe that as the men of our church go, so goes the church. We right. believe that. That's a core proposition, and it sounds sexist, and it's on the Internet, but it, it, I, I'll stand by it. It's an observation. A church without strong men does not do very well. And God said that there are strong men that, that literally seize the kingdom of God and take it by force. In other words, they, they, they're strong men. They're not weak men. They're strong men that submit themselves to God. Meekness. Humble. With vision. And they risk. And it's amazing. Scripture is written about men like that. David, the guy that no one thought should even be brought before the prophet to anoint at all for king turns out to be the greatest king of Israel. It doesn't matter ability, disability. Money, no money. You know, we're there. Let, let's... Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We would love to have you come in person. We meet Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30 at Houston's First Baptist Church. More information is on the web at houstonsfirst.org, houstonsfirst.org. Again, have a blessed day.